0: The Crude Life every Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review on Friday. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel
1: guitar, a hillbilly singing about a honky tonk bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough, and brother, it ain't country enough.
2: Welcome to the Crude Life Don't Podcast, my name is Jason Speece, the North Dakota Nomad, the Shale Play Prophet, the extremely busy individual that doesn't have time to remember everything that's going on today, so Provolone, we're just gonna keep things moving along here today, moving along, moving along, because we've got March Madness going on, in fact, we've had a couple of games happen already, we're behind on the podcast, we're halfway through March Madness, we got people already... Causing protests and saying, we're going to, nope, we want to know what's going on here. Well, hold the phone. So we're going to have Steve Hines on, the energy pragmatist, as he got bounced in the first round by the Knighton Industries. Mike Griffith and the crew at Knighton Industries bounced to energy pragmatist Steve Hines in the first round. And Joe Dancy from Texas A&M as well. He's emailed me and he goes, hey, how are you keeping score over there? What's going on? So we're going to have on Steve Hines to talk about the March Madness Tournament and also some coronavirus and some small business talk, energy. Steve Hines comes actually from the telecommunications world as well. So as we enter into this telecommunications world that we're going to have, people are training right now on conferencing software. He wrote it. He's been a part of it he didn't write it but he was a part of it he aol time warner he's been in books and he's been on uh, i think down in lo- congress and all kinds not in congress but down in the congress halls lobbying and fighting before congress on behalf of the telecommunications industry and a number of different things so uh steve hines we're looking forward to that who else do we have zachary ellis in just a moment or two we're going to get with zachary ellis about some of the navigating through the outbreak in the finance world listen folks the so I'm really worried about small business I'm not going to sugarcoat it I'm extremely worried about small business for a variety of, listen, listen this my phone has just been going off the hook here and it's just been non-stop but I'm worried about small business because you just can't shut down the economy like this you can't and when I talk about small business I'm talking about me I'm talking about the cafe owner I'm talking about my friends who are farmers, but also own an Airbnb down in Arizona because they want to retire down there. I mean, this is some serious stuff happening. And the energy industry is always on the front line. And so much of the energy industry is made of small business. It's the last bastion for capitalism, for God's sakes, folks. I mean... The reason I do what I do is because I actually truly love capitalism in its truest form, not socialism, not subsidies. As soon as somebody gets a subsidy, you no longer have capitalism, okay? Now, I get it. We're talking altruist altruism here. So in a perfect world, what happens with capitalism is is somebody comes in because they have the talent in order to do it. And they can see the bigger picture, and they know how to make moving parts connect. Okay, this isn't everybody. This is a very gifted mindset that can do this. So, what happens is they go in, and then somebody who's maybe more skilled as a baker, and somebody who's more skilled as a welder, and somebody who's more skilled as an accountant, that person, kind of a general contractor, if you will, a business can can make things go. Generally, they have some sort of skill to get things going, but. Where I'm going with all of this is that, you know, in a community, when you build up a capitalist like Guinness beer back in Ireland, okay, back in the days, when there's a recession, generally that capitalist gives back. And even when there's not a recession, that capitalist gives back. So when you look at what the oil and gas industry is, it's the last bastion for capitalism. I don't know any other industry that's given back as much as the energy industry over the last decade or so. Even in downturns, the energy industry still gives to the local churches, still makes sure that the softball teams have uniforms. They still make sure that at least you have a steel Quonset building for a civic center so you can have your graduations. And if you want the Taj Mahal, we'll pass a local tax and build the Taj Mahal, but we're going to make sure you at least have something that is the bare bones so you can have a quality of life, Okay. That's what I've always loved about the energy industry. And I think that's in peril right now. I'm very concerned about it because I I am not sure if you know they're gonna get bailed out. I, I'm very certain Boeing will. I got a text from a friend of mine, Boeing stock is down this and that because he's got a lot of it. And I just texted him back and I said, I'm pretty sure you'll get bailed out. Too big to fail has been proven. I haven't seen small business get fa- pay- bailed out. Even at a local level, when a lot of the economic development corporations and the local uh, economic, uh, feeder programs. They, they're helping out a lot of the bigger regional corporational type things that have satellite offices for the national corporations and the international corporations. I'm not trying to make this into a political thing right now, but what I'm talking to you about is I want you to really think about local business. What we're doing as a family and just us. Okay. One meal a day where we're ordering takeout. That's what we're doing we're ordering takeout and we're tipping. We're ordering takeout and we're tipping. Now, why? I you know, because we want to support the local business in any way we can. And also we feel bad for the staff that relies on that cash business. And is it going to change their life? Probably not. I don't know, but if enough people do it, maybe it will. And we're trying something here, folks. We're trying something as a lot of people are paralyzed and a lot of people don't know what to do because Like I said, I talked to one guy the other day. He's got a thriving business right now, but he's got two investment properties that are hotels that he's got personal guarantees on. I've never seen him stressed, never. He's running his father's company. His father's company he's running, okay? That's been going for, so he's had a very charmed life, but he's also a very humble man. So I'm not saying he's a bad person or he's taking advantage of it. No, in fact, He's been very conservative. But thinking of his family's future and a few other things, he made some investments and he signed a personal guarantee to it. Now he's on the hook. And there ain't anybody staying in his hotels, in his partner's hotels. So now they're having meetings. So These are the types of things happening, folks. So if you'd like to come on and talk about this stuff, feel free. I mean, we'll be the therapeutic couch, the therapeutic couch. Just because there's a recession doesn't mean I don't have to enunciate. We don't have to like start leaving out P's and Q's and other letters of the alphabet. I mean, I Provolone keep me in line, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Provolone, he is our entitled intern. And uh, he might lose that word entitled pretty soon because he's working his tail off. He is working his butt. Provolone, you're doing a good job. Yesterday, March Madness, dealing with all those people trying to figure how are you keep it score. Are you rigging it? No, we're not rigging it. No. In fact, we got we didn't even know what we were going to do until about a half hour before game time, and then we figured it out. So luckily, we figured it out. Next round, we do have a plan, though. We have a plan, and we're gonna we're gonna knock your socks off and rock your world. And we're going to become the esoteric energy program we said we were going to be. And folks, I want to get moving right now because here's what we're going to do. We're going to skip a lot of stuff today because we are esoteric energy. We're going to throw out the script. I want to get to Zach Ellis because there's a lot of people hurting. And Zach Ellis offers alternative financing, at least knowledge to alternative financing. Whether you use him or not, he doesn't care. Right now, he wants to help people. And I want him to help people. And you can call him and if he doesn't work out, well, he'll send you to someone else because that's that's what they do. And what he's offering right now is a conversation about banks being very stringent, offering different types of thing. And may, maybe even if you've got some invoices out there, he's got programs that, that can help you out. So uh, we're gonna get to him in just a moment or two that as I mentioned in the tail end of the program on our radio update here on the podcast, our daily radio update here on the podcast is with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer and he's going to talk about whether the federal government should subsidize natural gas to solve the flaring issue. I do want to mention our sponsor today, Swan Energy. I'd like you to find out more information about Swan Energy at our website or you can certainly visit theirs as well. We have our links available at thecrudelife.com. I was talking with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy and you know they've got a lot of different tentacles going to a trucking company and kind of some other different oil and gas activity that sort of thing what they're really looking for right now is people that might be interested in looking at long-term commitments with some projects that they have going and so what I'm what I'd ask you to do is we've got a link at our website that goes right to theirs with kind of a contact type of a form and if you'd like to know more information about the projects they have going on not even right now but maybe you know when this whole thing is done check it out because that's really where he wants to focus right now. And they they offer a ton of different services. But because of where we're at right now with Swan Energy, this is what my plug is for them <laughs> is to go and fill out their contact form. And then they'll send you some information on the projects they have going for when you're ready to invest. And you might be ready right now because they are. They're ready to go swan energy is ready to go right now i mean they are powering america through partnerships just like their slogan says so check out swan energy inc.com or like i said go to our crude life podcast show page and click on the link we're going to have that right to their contact us page and if you want to mention the crude life podcast go right ahead because that's going to cut right to the chase so Folks, we appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life, by the way, the podcast, because we're going to come out with a daily podcast every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday, feel free to email us, jason at thecrudelife.com, and you can become a daily sponsor here on our podcast, just like Swan Energy and the good things that they have going on there. All right, what do we have coming up? Our March Madness Tournament. We're going to talk with Steve Hines a little bit later about that because there's some... uh, Questions about my integrity when it comes to this crude life twenty twenty March Madness podcast thing. So let's uh I wanna hey listen, you question my integrity. You're gonna get to the front of the line on this podcast, let me tell you. Okay. Uh have we got Zach ready? Okay, great, Provolone, because I'm done stalling. All right, folks. Listen, we're gonna get right to Zach Ellis. Uh he's gonna talk to us about some alternative financing about some different options. Again, this is something that it may or may not help you, but I guarantee you, you will know somebody that this will help. And right now, listen, we're, we're, we're this is some important stuff that's going on right now because there's nothing more important than your pocketbook. And we've had Zach on the program before, and I know he brings incredible information and that's why we only bring experts here on the crude life so provolone let's get a mic level check and let's get right into our interview with mr zachary ellis
3: zach ellis commercial credit group
2: thank you very much for joining us here in this very trying and difficult times to navigate through so We thought we'd bring Zach Ellis on, Zachary Ellis on once again, Mr. Zachary Ellis on, because we're going to talk about some professional stuff here, so I better put a Mr. in front of there to keep it professional, but it has to do with money, your checkbook, and here's somebody that I know I can trust, so I thought I'd bring him on to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on, and, you know, Zach, before we got on the air, and I, I know we'll talk about some of the things that are really related to the oil and gas industry in just a minute or two, but... You know, you and I were talking about some of the, you know, kind of first line of defense people that are really going to get hit with this uh, shutdown, the self-quarantine, the social distancing, if you will. We've been talking about the servers, you know, um, throughout the week about how servers are primarily a cash business. And so that's how they pay their bills. And so when that cash goes away, they can't have a paycheck to help supplement their income. And a lot of servers rent. And then, so if they can't pay their bills, well, their landlords can't pay their bills. And then it's just a ripple happens so fast, and that's just in serving. And you and I were talking about, you know, March Madness, WrestleMania, Major League Baseball, basketball. Uh, Sure, those are going to be impacted, but, you know, billionaires and millionaires. So not a lot of people are going to feel sorry for them. But some people do forget about all those small businesses that rely. On those particular things, even in the podcast world, for example, I know some people in Houston that rely on, you know, when March Madness rolls through there, they grab a couple former NBA players to rent out a room at a hotel and put them up on a stage and and record a live podcast with Charles Barkley or something like that, or, or you know, you know, you know what I mean? We're, it's like 40% of their annual revenue is from a WrestleMania weekend or a March Madness weekend or something like that. So I think of the small businesses and I wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about that. And, and like I said, we'll get into some other things first, but I'd like to just start off this interview with have, have you talked to some of the small business owners out there? Are they sharing any concerns like the ones I just explained to you where, boy, man, when when, when the spigot cuts off, I, last time I checked, a lot of people still send bills out. So anyway, your your thoughts, your comments on what I just kind of, uh, that's the longest question in intro. By the way, how are you doing today? <laughs>
3: yeah, Jason, doing good, doing good. Always a pleasure to uh, have some time to sit down and talk with you to, to elaborate on your question, absolutely. We're seeing a lot of small businesses. Uh, they're truly hurting today. More than not, guys are never truly taking a step back to think about, hey, you know what, the economy is good right now, or why don't I put some of that money back? 2019 is probably been one of the roughest years that trucking industry saw as a whole, um, and as well with the oil field, too. So, Guys are truly hurting now more than ever. And we're going to get into some stuff here in just a moment. But to answer your question, these small businesses are hurting. We're seeing companies that are doing anywhere from $1 million to maybe $10 million in revenue. And those are the guys that are truly hurting. It's not the bigger corporations that have billionaires that are backing them or these huge private equity firms. These are salt-of-the-earth people that are running a business to support their family, to put their kids through college, to put food on their table. And these are the people that we truly want to be able to reach out and help and say, hey, we know that the economy is always going to be a roller coaster and it might be good and it might be bad for a time, but we're here to stay. We're here to help you no matter what, because we want to see your business grow. We want to see you have increased revenues and we want to see your business thrive and expand. So that's what we're here
2: for. Another one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on Mr. Zachary Ellis is because th- this is the time where alternative financing, and i don 't even know if that's the term or not, but you know a lot of times people just go to the traditional bank because that 's what they're told to do since they were born basically, and the banks are not always the most friendly of lenders at times you know they 're very judgmental and sometimes they they offer some different criteria they tend to um go on the safe side, I guess, is what they call it by, you know, people who they know and et cetera, that sort of thing. So I, I, I guess I'm not sure is there a, is there a correct term these days for alternative financing? I think you know what I'm talking about. It's it's not it's the non traditional financing. And right now, boy, that, that's the type of financing that is going to the front of the line, my good sir.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're one hundred percent correct. The thing that we're noticing now is The banks are always going to be there. They're always going to lend money, but there's a lot of different sources. When you look at a bank financing versus somebody that is equipment financing, it's completely different. Now, a bank is going to have a division that strictly finances just equipment, and that's what they specialize in. The difference with us is we're an equipment lender, but we're independent. So a bank is going to have guidelines that they have to go by. It's going to be certain credit criteria they're going to want a certain customer profile, they're going to look at financials, and if you don't fit that guideline exact how they want it, they're going to turn the deal down. Along with that is a bank process nine times out of ten is going to take anywhere from two to four weeks versus an independent lender where you have a team that's working on it. I'm going out there and meeting these customers, whether the customers in the Barnett Shale, the Permian Basin, up in Oklahoma, Wherever the customer is, I'm meeting that customer in person. They know who they're dealing with. I have an underwriter. His name is Michael. Me and Michael work together on all of these deals. We can get usually a deal under 500000 done in anywhere from one to three days. And the deals in the millions will usually take anywhere from a week to a week and a half. And sometimes it could be sooner than that. But that's what we're seeing. If you don't fit that guideline, that bank is going to turn that deal down. If you have somebody that's truly working on your deal day in and day out and knows your kids and knows your business and knows your family, knows your revenue, knows your plan and the downturn, then that's truly what's valuable to a guy.
2: You mentioned trucking or transportation, if you will. Of course, that is a very integral part of the oil and gas industry. I'm going to transition into the oil and gas world, if you don't mind, because uh, I get it. There's a lot of different financing for a lot of different things. You and I were talking about some of our friends, or mutual friends that have uh, Airbnb properties. And, you know, what are they going to do? Because like my friend in Maui right now, she's, you know, she, she's got to come up with that payment. And uh, even if it was booked, you can't get there. So, I mean, it's it's a real pickle for, for some people like that. And I don't know if you get into that financing. I, I You know, I'll, I'll leave that to the emails and the phone calls and, and that sort of thing. I didn't want to transition to uh, the energy world since you mentioned trucking, which is a huge part of the energy world but how about midstream upstream even throwing the salmon stream if you want you know I mean what kind what type of uh, customers and profiles are you seeing right now in the energy sector that could really take take advantage of what you guys are offering out there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So upstream, midstream transportation companies, uh, even more so your upstream guys, your E&P, some of the guys that are out there creating uh, or doing construction, a well pad, sorry, so your construction companies, we're seeing your E&Ps, your midstream guys, which are guys that are doing pump down, frack, acidizing, cementing, uh, crude hauling, uh, fuel hauling, hauling sand, water, whatever it is. If that If that trailer hooks up to a truck, or it's a piece of construction equipment, or it's a frack pump, anything that'll hook up to a truck or construction equipment or waste equipment, we will look at that deal. And like we talked last week, refinancing has been a big, big key to some of these guys' success on this downturn.
2: How about credit? That's, of course, what's going to keep people away from calling. You know, they're they're going to cancel or deny themselves credit in their head before they even make a phone call. Uh, let's Let's, you know kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, settle those qualms or just give people the confidence to know that, you know what, anybody or everybody can be spoken to, but there is some criteria involved there. But what what are some of the credit criterias these days?
3: Sure. So again, like a non-traditional lender is what you might refer to us as we're not based off of a credit score as a bank will be. Most banks will usually say, hey, your scores have to be personal credit along with business credit. Business credit is worked off of something called pay net, which is all your commercial credit anything that you finance in a business name along with your personal credit but usually a bank will look for a 600 plus score as an independent lender it really varies for us because we don't necessarily look for a score the biggest thing for us again is we want to know our customer because at the end of the day what's important to us is who's the customer is that guy a type a personality is he going to go out does he know what to do in a downturn or is that guy going to close the doors and say hey you know what Freight's not moving or, you know what, I haven't had a load of sand in a week. I'm just going to shut it down and tell the bank to come get all of their equipment. So time in business is huge for us. We like to see at least a guy that's been in business for one-plus years. Annual revenue is another thing. Just like anybody out there, we want to see a business that cash flows. But I just did a deal last month, $30 million company, but they showed a $300,000 loss for last year. So we thought to ourselves, okay, well, how did this company put up $30 million in revenue but lost 300 and some odd thousand dollars? So that's something that we'll look at, and we put the pieces together, and we say, hey, you know what? We understand that it was a downturn, but what is your plan moving forward? And lastly, it's just truly knowing who you're dealing with and how they're going to work their equipment to be able to repay that loan and expand.
2: Two part question for my next one here. First one's more of a heads up. Um, one of the things we're doing on this program is we're mentioning to people out there, you know, support your local restaurants right now because they, they need it. You know, and a lot of them are just down to takeout and delivery. So, uh, Mr. Zachary Ellis, before the interview is done, I'm going to ask you to plug one of your favorite restaurants. We Had Cowboys and Indians out of Houston plugged yesterday, Authentic Indian, Authentic Cowboy Cuisine. So if you have a chance, of course, you can always do that. Then we'll put the link up at the website as well. Uh, I did want to mention to you um, about, or I did want to ask you, you know, a lot of times restaurants, those are, you know, dreams of people to start up. I don't know if you're getting a lot of startup loans or not. I would think that that has probably slowed down pretty, pretty significantly, but I would imagine like the refis or the bridge loans or just maybe some refis is is happening. What types of loans are you seeing that people are doing? Are you seeing any startup loans? I guess I I would think that, boy, that would be a tough, tough. But then again, there's probably a lot of, never mind. There's all kinds of opportunity out there all the time. There's a ton of money on the planet and it's just finding finding the people who have it and want to build a better mousetrap, I guess. But what type of loans are you seeing out there?
3: Yeah, sure. So, to answer your first question, I live just west of Fort Worth uh, in Alito. So Alito Diner is a place that me and my wife like to go to. So that's a small business. There's uh, in the third week of March. There's actually coming up. I want to say it's actually this week. It supports small business. So there's a strip of small businesses downtown that we try to go and support because that's huge. It's supporting a guy to put his kid through college or be able to pay his mortgage versus one of these bigger companies out here with a CEO buying another jet or buying another mansion so um, that's huge to us is to, to support that business because those guys support me too. Um, to answer your second question early startups are really tough we're seeing some startup companies but a lot of those guys usually their first call is gonna be to people that they know in the industry that have already been established and they're gonna ask for some sort of guidance and sometimes those guys end up going with a private equity firm now there's nothing wrong with private equity firms but sometimes they can be a little bit more expensive And have a little bit less unfavorable terms versus a traditional lender, untraditional lender, um, such as myself. So I haven't seen a lot here lately. Most of what we're doing is loans, leases, refinancing of current existing debt, or maybe even guys adding some debt. We're not scared of a guy that wants to add debt. We just need to make sure that the customer's position to be able to make those payments and not end up having the equipment back in the long run.
2: So what's the process, you know, to get going on something like this? I mean, you know, how how do you guys factor into this? You know, somebody on my end is wondering the process, but somebody on your end is probably thinking, okay, we got to factor in different things here, whether it's buying the invoices from these people, whether it's putting up a, a pink slip as collateral, Uh, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, from your perspective to kind of let someone like me know why and how I can do this.
3: Sure. So, you can get a hold of me uh, via phone, 682-386-7973. But factoring is another important key that I wanted to bring up. Factoring is essentially buying an invoice And Commercial Credit Group will pay you up front for the invoice. So instead of waiting 30, 60, or 90 days to get paid on the invoice, we pay you up front via ACH or check the very next day. And that's key. Right now, I cannot stress that enough. Factoring, it is a make or break of your business at this point, because if you have invoices sitting that have been sitting for 60 you're coming up on 90 days once those invoices hit 90 days I can't factor them so I strongly encourage a guy to call me call me call me get set up on factoring we advance anywhere from 95 to 99 percent you pay a small fee and it's all dependent upon your company credit profile etc but that is something that will increase cash flow help you expand your business and it helps pay the bills because most of the time when a guy comes to me, he has a diversified credit profile. I'm not the only guy that's lending him money, and we encourage that. We encourage guys, go to your small-town bank, diversify your credit profile, because if you can show that you paid back $3 million to Bank of America and you pay back $5 million back to you know Bank of Midland or whoever it might be, then we can say, you know what, we feel comfortable going into this deal giving this guy $5 million or $8 million or $10 million because he shows his history that he can repay his loans
2: kind of wrapping up here a little bit, looking at the clock, uh, any final advice you might have for anybody at this time? I'm just telling everybody to take a step back and remain calm. You know, of course with the coronavirus, I like to bring up the NBA players who were sweating and banging up against each other up and down the court all night. No one else got it. Just those two players. And so it, that was a pretty good news in terms of the contagion aspect of it. So, um, from your standpoint, you know, with money and with what's going on with this coronavirus and some of the potential shutdowns and everything along those lines, that's the main reason why I wanted to bring you on because really you do provide a solution to a lot of people right now that are trying to figure out how are they going to take care of some real problems we have out there. So uh, just I'll I'll give you the floor a little bit. as kind of a final thought that if if you want to, you know, plug how people can get in touch with you, maybe, you know, if you guys are to, you know, any any sort of p- pattern answer you guys have, I guess. Just kind of the floor is yours. Okay, man? Yeah, thanks.
3: So we're not a means to an end. We're a solution to a problem. And when you diversify your thinking and you change your thinking to let me find a solution to this problem, again, we know the economy is going to be up and it's going to be down. But we're truly here to solve the problems that any customer may have. As a non-traditional lender, we can look at the deal that some of the other banks won't. Again, like you mentioned, the startup, the refinances, uh, factoring is a huge thing. And all of these things are something that you can do right now and not waste any more time. Call me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. If I can't help you, I'd rather take 10 minutes of your time, talk to you about your business, talk to you about your plan, and say, hey, you know what, Jason, at the end of the day, I'm probably not a best fit for you. Because down the road, I would rather have you as a customer and you say, you know what? Zach told me he couldn't help me right now, but why don't I call him back and see if he can help me? So I'd rather have that conversation up front. Um, Other than that, I'd probably say remain calm. We don't know how long this deal is going to last. Commercial Credit Group as a a whole, we had a conference call yesterday. We're not going anywhere. Our company is well-rounded. We are well-versed. We're ready for something like this. And you're going to see a lot more of these banks turning down deals. So we think that business is going to increase and we want to provide more solutions and more opportunities for guys than ever. So 682-386-7973 is my cell phone. 682-386-7973. I answer it from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Or you can email me at Ellis at CommercialCreditGroup.com. That's my first initial, last name at CommercialCreditGroup.com. You can also link with me on LinkedIn, Zachary Ellis.
1: Well, dreams come true, and I know they do, and I can feel the music down in my soul. You better make
0: a little room at the top
1: for a regular Joe.
0: Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
1: I am all in jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. And you'll hear me say from a mile away that I'm the luckiest man I know. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Yeah, man, so crank up the sound, turn up the lights. Let's get the show on the road. Yeah, you're all going to party tonight with a regular Joe.
2: Welcome back to the Crude Live podcast. My name is Jason Speece, the North Dakota Nomad, the Shale Play Joe. Prophet. I want to get right to our next interview right now. By the way, Provolone is manning our production elements of the podcast, and we are busy today, folks. We got March Madness happened. We got a little behind the eight balls, so the games are right in the middle of the activity. We got somebody protesting the games already, challenging my integrity behind this extremely scientific and important contest known as the Crude Life 2020 March Madness Tournament. Huh, I mean, for crying out loud, this has got to be bigger than the coronavirus. People are saying, holy smokes, how did you come up with that score? So, let's get Stephen Hines on the program. The energy pragmatist coming on. He's a nonprofit, and you know what? He's a good man, and he definitely has got his fingers on the pulse in a lot of different directions. And uh, Provolon, let's get a mic-level check from Mr. Stephen Hines. Let us see. He took on Knighton Industries in the first round. He was, what, a 15 seed? Yeah, he was the 15 seed, and Knighton Industries was the 2 seed. That seems about right. Okay, all right, let's get a mic-level check in 3, 2, one, sir. Uh,
4: yes, uh, my name is Steve Hines, uh, and my company is uh, a not-for-profit uh, called the uh, Practical. Well, there are actually two names, Jason: the Practical Environmentalist and the Prag and Energy uh, the Energy Pragmatist.
2: Well, the Energy Pragmatist is the reason for the phone call today oh. because uh, my my understanding is through our. Uh, march madness tournament selection rules committee that you've lodged a complaint along with joe dancy from down at texas a&m about the rules and regulations the fairness the ethics committee boy i tell you we, that well, that complaint was forty-seven pages long. Stephen Hines, I tell you, boy, you got blown up by Knight Industries in the first round. And by the way, folks, we're we're way behind on our podcast today. So you know, one of the first games that happened in our March Madness bracket was the Energy Pragmatist as a fifteen seed taking on Knight Energies, Knight and Industries. Sorry, Knight and Industries as a two seed and. Um, and you know, rightfully so, because we, you know what, as Mr. Stephen Hines and Mr. Joe Dancy, um, Stephen Hines, of course, is on the phone with us. Uh, I did not post the rules and I'll tell you why. First of all, you, you, you did. Isn't that true? You questioned the rules behind this. Well,
5: well,
2: of course. (laughs) Cause you're a pragmatist. You're like, Hey, listen, you can't. So,
4: I don't
2: remember playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the well, other thing, Jason. that 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 might be the most real part of all of this that you don't remember playing because that's more <laughs> that that's more like real life than I think the average person realizes these days. But let's get back to so what happened was, of course, with March Madness, is we were going to do something fun and do the first sixty-four teams and match them with a team in the tournament, and we were going to do those some ping pong balls and the whole deal and say. Okay, we, we we do this, and, oh, look at this, Belmont goes with, oh, MBI Energy Services, and then wherever Belmont was in the bracket, we were going to put it in there, and, you know, Kansas, and, you know, we were going to actually basically use the real college teams, take those out, and then put the March Madness Crude Life Energy teams in, and then, of course, based how the regular tournament played out, that was how ours was going to play out, so from my perspective— Mr. Energy Pragmatist Stephen (laughs) Hines, this wasn't supposed to be any work. (laughs) I I wasn't supposed to have any work behind this. I was supposed to ride on the, you know, the coattails of March Madness.
4: (laughs) Well, and it was a great idea. Uh, It's it's too bad that uh, we had to shut down the country for a couple of weeks or a month.
2: Well, and, and, you know, honestly, you know, the reason I did not shut down the March Madness tournament is because I thought this is this would be something fun that we all could do. And so what I did do was the first round and I'm going to now on Friday, uh, I am going to actually video this so people can see it, because like I said, you know, I mean, when 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 people uh, self-respecting people and uh, other respected people like yourself and Joe Dancy. <laughs> not to mention the fact that you guys have over 20 25 30,000 followers on LinkedIn so you guys are also social media influencers so I got to know my role there uh, we're going to video it and what the here's how we did the methodology for the first round now we're going to do different methodology each each round but I will post it ahead of time now keep in mind it's just me here so right now uh, I got you know my intern Provolone but he he doesn't get paid so he only helps when he wants Um, what we did is we did Yahtzee, okay? Four four quarters in a basketball game, and you roll the dice. You get five, you know, the five rolls. Yahtzee. You add up those. That's your points for the quarter. And then because of the seeding, we added the points of the seed on the score of the Yahtzee rolls at the end. So we, you know, you do four rolls, four quarters. You add on the seeds. That's your final score. You can only I
4: thought, get. It was easy. This sounds like a lot of work to me.
2: Oh, it is a lot of work. I mean, I, I have to, I have to roll dice, and then I have to, and then I have to do math, and and I have to type in things, and then I, I tell you, it was a lot more work than I ever really wanted. But uh, I, you know, I appreciate you protesting, and I appreciate Joe Dancy protesting, and. <laughs> You know, and, and actually, I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun, to be honest, this tournament. And, you know, you mentioned that you used to play a little bit back in the day, huh?
1: Oh, I,
4: I you bet. You bet. I was a player. Uh, and uh, once I moved back uh, out to New York to go to school at Columbia, uh, I was there with my best friend, and he and I would go down into uh, Riverside Park and play. Uh, and there were, you know, a lot of, of great players, uh, one-on-one black basketball players, but nobody played together. So we always did very well.
2: <laughs> now, my my <laughs> we guess is.
4: Back and forth.
2: My, my guess is you're a taller guy. What are you about six three? About 6'2". Six, 6'2". Two. Six, two, uh, lengthy. You've got some arms, and so I, I bet you had a sky hook back in those days.
4: Oh, I did. I I had yes, indeed. Well, I as I, I think I mentioned to you, uh, Kevin McHale really. Uh, uh, made my game, uh uh sort of played it in the NBA because, of course, he was 10 inches taller or so, or 9 inches taller. But uh, he worked without the ball mainly. Um uh, He uh, played position, and he was impossible to block a shot.
2: You know, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of course, on the other side of the, 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 the country had the sky hook that, boy, you couldn't even no, okay. stop. Couldn't. Well,
4: he was... He was more of a ballet
2: player, I think, uh, than Kevin McHale. That's a good way to put it, actually, because he did that—that that little leg he had, that, that protected him from blocking, along with that sky hook. Boy, it was like it was—it was like a ballet. It was a work of art. Oh yes,
4: yes. Uh, in some ways, we we miss him. Uh, and, and, well, he's still, you know, he's still visible, and he's he's a very smart guy.
2: He is. Now, let's transition to real life. This coronavirus, of course, you know, it, it canceled the March Madness tournament along with a lot of other aspects of life. You know, the, the one thing that I am just, I, honestly, it keeps me up at night is how quickly the shutdown happened, how easily the people self Shut down. How they self quarantined. How you know th- this is very much a manufactured consent type of a thing that happened. But what really worries me is is the state of small business when this is going to be all said and done. I I just I'm so worried for small business because, well, a variety of reasons, but. Uh, what what are you seeing with this uh, coronavirus you know the world of energy you've been covering energy for a long time you've been covering the world of uh, telecommunications and communications so obviously you know the uh, ramp up of telecommunications that's going to happen when this is well as of right now it's happening as we speak people are getting trained on it this morning
4: well and uh, you know there's a it's They've come up with a new word, Jason, uh, telemedicine, which is kind of what I've been talking about, one of the, uh, the uh, offshoots, if you will, of the uh, integration between energy and um, you know, high speed and the ability to go 100 miles away. And, uh, and this, this would really be important in, in poorer parts of the world.
2: Uh, you, where, you know, what's uh, interesting about the telemedicine is just to do a little quick sidebar here. And, okay. and I don't want to, you know, get, get into a different political discussion, but um, that telemedicine happened with Obama's health care act, whatever that whole controversial thing was in there. There was something about telemedicine and the cannabis industry took advantage of that in California. Huh. And so there, there was doctors that were doing telemedicine to people in different states over Skype. And then they would ship them flour of cannabis right in the mail from that California office. So, um, anyway, you know, just some industries figure out those loopholes right away. And then the rest of the society figures out, oh, okay, there was a reason for that. We need the telemedicine. And I, I, I um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I figured you'd get a kick out of that story.
4: Oh, absolutely! Uh, and you know, uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite, uh, let's say, TV series called "Wire" the Wire uh, uh, was uh, about Baltimore in the early two uh, thousands, and the the the, uh, the crooks and the drug dealers figured out how to use uh, the internet and technology and cell phones before the cops did. And I think that's really what's going, you know, that's what happened with this. But now, uh, simply because of the, uh, let's say, the uh, overload on the uh, medical system, not just in this country, but, you know, internationally, uh, it makes more and more sense. So you're starting to see they're going to start using these opportunities more. And I think this kind of, you know, jump started a lot that I see coming anyway.
2: Uh, what do you make behind the narrative already that this is helping the environment? Uh, we've been pretty vocal and, and you've uh, you, you have as have as well about just the narrative behind the, the, the environmental movement against fossil fuels. and that's what I'm specifically talking about here is that specific context, that narrative. And I already am seeing the narrative come, that you know, people not going to work and, and not moving around is helping the planet. I, I'm seeing some sprinkles already of that. Are you yeah, seeing those?
5: Well,
4: yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I, it really offends me. Uh, a Harvard professor, I uh, did uh, a long interview uh, on the uh, integration between climate change and uh, and this uh, downturn and the. You know, what is it called, the uh, the coronavirus? And it's just silliness, Jason, as you and I both know. Uh, I'm hoping that one of these fine days, and sooner rather than later, that uh, a lot of the people who are trying to make every story into something about them will finally get exposed for uh, what uh, Tom Sawyer used to call stretchers, that is, lies. (laughs) Uh, to make them you know to improve how they look uh, but it's very embarrassing uh, you know intellectually speaking there's there's they have no girth anymore I mean even the New York Times I mean, you go down the you know the CNN even did a you know a series in a story on on this integration between the uh, coronavirus and emission reductions and and now they're talking about China because they had you know that, Period where they stopped working, and they they noticed by satellite that there's fewer clouds in the air or, or smog. What is really what it is. you know in China it's really smog. It's, it ha- this is not a sign of global warming or climate change. It's good old fashioned smog.
2: Well, and that, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up was I'm starting to see the framework of this come out early, so I wanted to try to nip it in the bud any way I possibly can. I don't know. I mean, you know, we've got good listenership here at The Crude Life, but, you know, we're not setting records yet like Ron Burgundy in the podcast world. But I I, I do think that it's something that needs to be watched. I think those people who are in charge of uh, combating that should probably – get on board really quick with that because the narrative, like I said, is already starting. I guess, you know, getting back to the coronavirus and we're talking about narratives and and responsibility of the media, one of the points I've been trying to point out that I do wish the mainstream media would point out is there is going to be an increase of coronavirus cases just because they're testing for them now. They have not been testing for them up until like last week. So there's going to be a spike because people are testing for them. What do you make of that comment, Steve Hines? Well, I,
4: I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and, you know, and it's uh, 24 hours a day now. Uh, you know, it's become, you know, this story de jour or de week or de month. Uh, and, you know, the the, the major news uh, right now is centered around uh, this um uh, transition, if you will, uh, from uh, from sort of feeling a little fat and sassy to, uh, uh, as you put it earlier, you know, having to worry about small businesses. I noticed that uh, this has stunned me. Uh, you, uh, you've been watching the price of oil. Uh, Canada's oil right now is selling for eight dollars a barrel. Wow. Think about that for a second, Jason. Now they have their own distribution problems and they have their own environmentalists and some interference from the American uh, environmental groups and foundations, you know, spending money up in Canada to keep them pure. Uh, But it's, it's just amazing. I mean, you, you've been watching it. I, I, I listened to you just so you know. uh, And I think you've done a great job of coverage. And I think I think uh, you're 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 speaking out more, and I think and editorializing, which I think you have every right to do.
2: Well, it was time to do that, by the way. However, you have your phone on the last uh, thirty seconds. It sounds much clearer than you had it before. It sounded a little bit muffled earlier. Now it sounds very right. clear. Just a heads up on that. Sure. Uh, I, phone, I do. I, 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 I didn't have it moved. Well, th- there I, we go. It's muffled know. again. So, however, you had it before. Just. Put it up to your mouth, maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I did I did I want to ask that. you about small business. You, you've you been yeah. around for a long time. You're over 40 years old, so you're considered old. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I found that out.
5: Jason, 75.
2: Oh, by the way, I found that out. When you hit 40 and you start to say the word 40, it doesn't even matter if you say 1, 2, 3, 4, 9. As soon as you start the word 40, Boy, the people's face—they just tune it out. They don't care. <laughs> You're old man. Too late, man. Your your ship has sailed. Anyway, uh, I I did want to ask you about small business though, because you've seen you know you've seen recessions, you've seen boom and bust cycles in oil and gas. Yeah, yeah. You've like I said, your background of telecommunications and communications. So you've seen uh, disruptions in marketplaces, and you've seen not only disruption in marketplaces but startups. And so basically you've seen it all. I, well, I, I've seen, Street, i seen, one second. So I worked I've,
4: on I've, Wall Street in that era and I did venture capital for so four years.
2: Exactly. So you've seen all these different things. I've covered a lot of industries in the last 25 years of my experience in the media. And so I feel like I've got this 5,000 foot view in a lot of different sectors. I'm no expert by any means, but I will say this. I do think small business is not going to be the same when this is all said and done because number one, when I look at Boeing, no matter what happens to Boeing, they're gonna get bailed out. I, I, I really believe that 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 the, our government has proven time and time again that you're too big to fail. but yep. if you're but if you're a small business, there ain't anybody looking out for you anymore at all. And that really concerns me because right now, I'm looking at some of the federal grants and money's coming in, you know, and, and they're not, it's not, they're going to economic development corporations and they're going to, they're not even going to small businesses for the most part. And, and it's, it's kind of a little bit of word play because in the energy world, oh my word, so much of it's small business. So much of it is just small business. And I'm so worried about this, this industry, um, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing about the state of small business.
5: Well, I think
4: you're absolutely, uh, you're to something. I think that, uh, I listened to a couple of your discussions with Joe Dancy and, uh, you know, you were talking about the transition for the energy business and, you know, it's never going to go back the way it was, uh, and, and it will continue to, uh, be as much a technology. An information play uh, in real time, as you know, uh, as any other business. But in some ways, uh, I too worry about small business because I've I've watched what you guys have done in North Dakota. I mean, speaking of small businesses, you know, with a few exceptions, I mean, you're you're a state of small businesses, and and you and you beat everybody to the punch in a certain way. Because you did they, they didn't. You were fly over country, and nobody watched you. And you, you took fracking from A to Z before anybody would seem to notice.
2: So I'm gonna throw in a little bit of my shale play profitness, or my uh, you're just downright craziness. You know when people roll <laughs> their eyes. And, well, the, the, you know, the, the profits, I always get called crazy right away. And I've just, there's, I have so much on record now over the past 10 years on interviews that I, you know, they're, like I said, these are emails I get people telling me that, boy, you called it, you called it, you called it. And then one person flat out said, boy, you're a shale play prophet. And I went, that's, I'm using that. That's, that's mine going forward now. Anyway, I noticed uh, that I, you know,
4: I, you've done a really, I, you're a very creative guy so I uh, you, you know
2: like uh, and,
4: and lively you you're lively
2: well hey listen you know what you, you you talk enough and a blind squirrels gonna find a nut from time to time so you know what you take your squirrel nuts when you can and you move on right and, <laughs> well, uh,
4: but you know you you know the nice thing is that I think you even mentioned it uh, either on a podcast or maybe in some of your writing, but uh, the uh, discussions from a couple of years ago that you and I did, or three years ago, I mean, they're still timely right now. We we just happen to be uh, ahead of the curve on a lot of this.
2: Oh, our environmental talks from several years ago are still spot on, and they it just are. I mean, I mean, it may, makes me think a lot of the leaders should should go back and listen to it because it is it's it's still ahead of the curve. Actually, it still is. Here's what, here, here's it, what I'm going to ask you, Steve. So you you know as well as I do that. Uh, foreign companies have been, you know, fracking in, in the Bakken and down in the Permian and probably in the Marcellus too. Uh, foreign companies have been building petrochemical plants down in Lake Charles, and I don't know if they have in Corpus Christi, but it would make sense just because. Yes, well, do. it's just it, you know when they're paying fifteen bucks for natural gas and we're paying minus three dollars or two bucks it's cheaper for a company in France to build a petrochemical plant down in Lake Charles, okay? So this is really happening. These are real things that are happening. And, you know, we can talk American independence of energy all day long, but there's still foreign companies coming in and doing this. So um, with that being said, the state of small business where it's at, I just, boy, I take a look at a lot of the real estate out there and I think of a lot of my friends that own like Airbnb property and I don't know how much longer they can keep, you know, $10,000, 20000 a month payments on hotels and, and investment properties out of state that they're not occupying and that people can't get to. So when I think well, of, you know, that ripple and I think of, you know, the server that can't pay the rent and so therefore the landlord is impacted. And, I, and I'm just saying, you know, this is just immediate problems. And there
4: is a food chain, which is
2: kind of what you're talking about. Totally. And that's where I'm getting at, to where when the economy resets, because it already is going to, whether the as soon as Vegas said we're shutting down, that meant, OK, the economy is going to reset somehow. We don't know how yet, but it's going to. I do wonder if like it's just going to be like a mad, 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 mad world. Remember that movie? A mad, mad, mad world.
4: Are you kidding? I love that
2: movie. I do wonder if it's going to be like that with real estate at some point, because when you have so many Airbnb investors that are just going to be giving their keys back to the bank because you know they they have to, and you've got all this different stuff, it makes me wonder if if shopping malls aren't going to be bought up by you know sheiks from Saudi Arabia and
4: no, they're they're closing, you know. Uh, I, I got involved with a couple of the uh, enclosed malls, and I did. I was a business broker for a while, and and a commercial real estate broker. I have a fairly colorful past, but uh, you know, I'm I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the the strip centers and the uh, the indoor malls, with exceptions like New Jersey, and you know, maybe uh, Phoenix and Southern California. They are, uh, nobody wants them anymore. They're getting converted into, you know, mail order businesses and all of that. So, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be much like the video store. You know, it it was enormous for a while. It had enormous value. But as you put it, uh, people, you know, gave the keys back to the landlord.
2: But that's but that's what I mean. They're going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of property that is going to be very inexpensive. And the energy industry generally, you know, you can see the trends happen first. And the trend was is you could see the foreign companies coming into America and just basically integrating in and assimilating in. I think that's going to happen in real estate when this is all said and done. Where, um, you know, there's going to be big. Well, there's just going to be a lot of big buildings for sale. That's all. And, okay. and and it and makes not, me wonder. Not
5: many buyers. Not many buyers.
2: No, no. But the, but the thing is, the wealth is still going to be out there on the planet. That's the thing, you know. And, and so we'll probably see a lot more mergers and acquisitions in terms of small business, you know, a, a lot more companies being bought out and, of course, bankrupt and then getting, you know, pillaged afterwards and that sort of thing. I'm just really worried about uh, small business. And I was talking with um, Brandon Davis with Swan Energy and you know he talked about the the just the idea, um, or the not the idea, but the fact that somebody's even mentioning nationalizing oil, and we yeah. flat out said, "Boy, we are living in a time where everything seems to be on the table, every discussion." What
4: a bad idea that is, Jim.
2: Oh, totally. But I mean, it's it's already being floated out there.
4: I know. Well, so, but you know, you know, it's the chattering class. Uh, And as you were saying earlier about, you know, uh, taking the latest health, international health problems and making it into a story about climate change, et cetera. I mean, so in some ways, uh, you know, the the more time people have to talk about this, the crazier the ideas get. Uh, So, you know, I I am hoping that uh, guys like yourself and the people you interview you've been interviewing uh, are heard more often because there's a real sanity uh, to uh, to a more practical approach to all of this, uh, and and a little faith in uh, human uh, ingenuity. And you you've watched us, you know. I I think you've been doing the Bach now for about uh, ten years, right? I mean, you what you know what you've seen. I mean. You know, I could see you in a rocking chair with a with a corn cob pipe, talking to twenty year old, and set, you know, talking about back then. You know, before you know, before the world changed forever. Here's what I remember. But you know, I, you th- you um, I think it, it's time for the adults to take over, and it's time for the so-called experts. To, to make sure, to let us know that there are there, there, their expertise is in a very small area, and they're going to get washed overboard also. And
0: here's
5: they're, they're not going to
2: be interviewed or... Well, you know, your phone's cutting out again, Steve, so I'm going to okay, j- no. yeah, I, I'm going to jump in here. and Okay, go ahead. And I, I'm, I'm going to say a comment that is not popular, but it's gaining popularity because the more people think about it, the more they realize how right i am okay right now i get it that, that this this is a, the this is a problem and this is an issue and for some reason it is a bigger issue than the flu and it is a it's very much like in terms of the death rate in terms of the 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 way that the contingent is is very much like the flu but it's being treated much more like anthrax or like a smallpox or like a SARS type of a thing. So that's not lost on me, and I'm not saying it's not important. But what I will say is when I started seeing schools close down before the CDC and public health officials were saying to close down, I, I it, there, there was this short period of time where leadership almost – could out-freak each other. Like, oh, I can I, I, I can freak out more than you. Well, I can freak out more than you. And again, I'm not trying to downplay this, but what I don't want to get lost in all of this is there are a lot of six-figure salaried people because at that level, you make six figures, okay? There are a lot of people that are making good money and their lifestyle is not going to change at all because they're going to continue to go to work they're going to continue to get their checks. And all the small business owners out there are not going to have that. And so in the next month, let's say everything went back to normal. Every small business owner is going to, it might take them a year or two to rebound from this. Well, those people, those leaders and people, they go back, they, they, they don't even blip, not even a blip. And that's where a real leadership comes up. And so I just wanted to get your thought on that because you've been around the block a few times and you've seen some good leaders and bad leaders and you know me. I sometimes stick my foot in my mouth and sometimes I say the things that are not very popular. But that's why this program is the voice of the voiceless.
5: Oh, well, and I, that's, what, that's
4: a great name, also. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, and uh, but I think you have, you know, you've heard, my, you know, what I think in a lot of this. You and I share a lot of these concerns now i think with the the virus what the one thing that happened is that everybody realized that we can't even forget about predicting 100 years from now or 20 years from now we can't even predict we're as bad as the weathermen right now we can't predict what's going to happen three days from now and if you if you trace back the last three or four weeks i mean everybody was waiting to see if there was a pattern and it's, it's, it's really being transformed in front of our eyes and it, and everybody in the world is, is stuck with the proposition that don't count on tomorrow because it may not come the way you think it is
2: here's the parts that I just I keep my eye on is um, r- really the NBA was the first line of this <laughs> where the not only did they have the first players uh, confirmed, they were kind of the, besides Tom Hanks, were really the first uh, celebrities in terms of household names. And I, the players that were irrelevant. It was the NBA and then, of course, Tom Hanks. But when the NBA canceled the season, that that sent the snowball rolling. In fact, March Madness and WrestleMania and everybody else basically cited once the NBA did it, then, then the precedent was set. The NBA, of course, they were going to try to do the fanless experience, which shows you the value of television contracts. Um, they were going to do the fanless experience until the players got tested. Now, this is what's not lost on me is, number one, those NBA players played for several weeks. They were they had the coronavirus, the COVID-19, and n- none of the other players or none of the other like people that they played against got it the testing's done, and they didn't get it, okay? So when you think about their bumping and sweating and all everything else, well, that narrowed down the, how it's contagious, okay? So that means, you know, the sneezing and the coughing and uh, the surfaces and you put your hand on it and that sort of thing. So this is very, very controllable, okay? Probably even more so than the flu. And just the... So that's not lost on me. And then also what's not lost on me is, is how... It, what's not also lost on me, though, is, like I said before, the way they're treating this, the way that they want this very controlled, which tells me that there's more to this story than I think they're probably letting us know.
4: Well, I'm not sure I share your uh, conspiracy theory. No, it's not that. a
2: conspiracy. It's just that, you know, it's a little bit different that the way that they're they're treating this, that I, I think that's really more for our benefit, if that makes sense, that um, I'm kind of trusting them a little bit on this, that, okay, maybe we should be listening to them a little bit more.
4: Well, I think, I think it's pretty hard to ignore right now. I think it's gone from peripheral to someplace in China to where we are right now in our country. I mean, France, Spain, Italy, it's, you know, the demons have been unleashed. and will never be the same. I mean, the world won't be the same. No and, and and the only question right now is uh, especially when you have uh, you know two players, Russia and the sods, uh, who decide to get in a can I if I can use this word a pissing match uh, in the middle of all of this I mean that was that's not lost on anybody either. No I mean they just literally it was a, uh, it was really down to two guys who uh, who decided if you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it either. Uh, so, you know, I, but, I, I don't know how long they can survive because they've lived off the fat of the land when you know oil was 70, 80, 100 dollars a barrel. So their society, they have relied on their uh, keeping their power in their societies by that extra cash. And it's now gone. How long can the Russians or the Sauds or any of the Middle Eastern com- countries survive very long? uh, their society survive very long if they don't have a more comfortable price for their product.
2: And, you know, getting back to the conspiracy things, I don't actually, I, I kind of looked up some of the conspiracy one day cause it was on a news story we had and I kind of chuckled at a lot of it. But, um, I, I understand there are quite a few people out there that are, um, uh, you know, going down that path and, uh, that wasn't the just that that wasn't my point. I just wanted to make sure anybody listening knows I you know I wasn't going down that path of, of that. I was just pointing out that um, you know when you look at how how contagious it is. Like I said, if you use the you know the NBA example, you know you did it. You 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 had guys sweating and bumping up against each other, and if it didn't you know if it didn't transfer that way, that was a good sign and. It was a good sign by the contagion aspect, but also um, it was a good sign because now they know more precisely what it is. The real scary part, though, is how apparently I read a news story where it went from animal to animal, then animal to human, and then human to human. And to see it mutate like that, that was a little bit concerning because, you know, how do you control the animal kingdom? So Well,
4: it's the way the, uh, the Chinese open markets, you know, they really, they uh, created the environment where, uh, you know, these open markets with all these animals sort of mixed together with the people themselves. I mean, there is now some talk, and I don't think internationally speaking, that they're going to try you know, that somebody's going to try that World Health Association or organization is going to try and make it illegal for these open markets in China. And I'd like to say, well, good luck with that. Uh, we have no power over what's happening there
2: yeah it's you know it's it's definitely going to change things you know and and you know if you were to reflect it i guess in the united states i suppose it'd be like a farmers market or a um a flea, but a flea market but far worse right i mean where you can buy bat wings and stuff yeah well i
4: i you know i still have this image somehow um, you know, as I've, I've been kind of watching this unfold while I continue, to, you know, do, to research and pay attention to the energy world, as you know, environmental, telecommunication, watching it sort of come together. But uh, there was some footage showing um, a, a Chinese uh, guy uh, in a walk cooking a live dog. You know, I mean, he's walking a, and I, W O K a, a dog, and is still alive. You know, it, it's.
2: Um, well, that's an odd, odd it's thing. A,
4: it's ve- you know, it's very painful to watch. I promise you. Well, I
2: well, was, was going to say to we work. should. Uh, I was looking at the clock, and I, I, we got to get running here. So I was going to have you plug your business and how you. Make a living these days, and, and and what how what kind of services you have, etc. So website and the whole deal, if you got one.
4: Yep. Well, I do. Although I've been working on uh, doing an update, but man, uh, as you know, most people, it's funny that the environmentalists—that's where all the money is going. The private sector somehow just doesn't value us as much as they do the Sierra Club. You know, I, maybe I, you, I sent this to you, Jason. Uh, the Nature Conservatory raised a billion dollars three years ago, and that's just in donations. Think about that for a second.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And, you know, and, and uh, you know, we watch friends like Tom Shepstone or Jim Willis or any number of people scratching out a living. It just it's, there, there's a lack of fairness here right now. And uh, I think that uh, I think you and I have to be apostles, you know, for a, a more sane approach that goes back to the old-fashioned American values.
0: To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com.
1: But now I'm back at the bar again, hanging out with all my rowdy friends. Getting drunk and singing redneck songs. I'll probably stay here and baby all night long. Pour me a beer and a shot the of The crude tea. life
0: is sponsored in part by. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis refinery a nice Cold
1: whiskey glass hanging out with friends and having a blast My mom and dad think it's a waste of time not anymore Drinking beer and riding redneck rhymes but I think I'll do it just as long as I can That's why I'm back at the bar again
2: And that's going to do it for today's The Crude Live podcast. I'd like to thank everybody who made today's episode possible because we didn't even think it was going to get out. In fact, I'll be surprised if we even get out by the end of Thursday. I mean, we got March Madness going on. We've got three interviews. We got people that need to be out there when they're not out there. So we've got uh, all kinds of interviews to upload still on Facebook and YouTube. So folks, pay attention to what's going on with our social media over the next few days because we've got a ton of content coming out. and This is all relevant. Good stuff, man. I mean, like Zachary Ellis, Commercial Credit Group, thank you for coming on today to talk about some of the hard topics of credit and some of the hard topics of finances and bankruptcies and how to get out of that. So appreciate it very much. Folks, his information is available at our website if you'd like to check it out and get some more information on that. Stephen Hines, you know, thanks for having fun with the Crude Life 2020 March Madness podcast and then being able to transition into some serious topics because really that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to have a little fun but understand life is serious too. And really any topic is on the table. Any topic is on the table. And so... Guys like Stephen Hines, the energy pragmatist, coming by and having fun, talking about a few things. We enjoy that very much. Also, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer will be up in just a moment or two on our daily radio update here on the podcast. You like that? Our daily crude life update on the podcast. We still got a wordsmith at Provolone. We still need to. Swan Energy. Thank you very much for being a sponsor here today on the Crude Life podcast. If you'd like to sponsor the Crude Life podcast, please email jason at CrudeLife.com. But for more information on Swan Energy, go to swanenergyinc.com. They're looking for people to partner with long-term commitments, and they've got some projects lined up, and they're ready to go. They Whether you're ready today or whether you're ready in six months or maybe a year, you might want to get some information and find out what they have going on. So we have the links available at thecrudelife.com on our show page, as well as swanenergyinc.com. All right. March Madness is going on, folks. Pay attention because we've got some upsets already. we got some upsets already happening. Pay attention, folks. March Madness is going on. and Boy, we are totally scientific about this. It's a uh, Yahtzee dice in the first round. All right, that's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Blind Joe for being our music crossover, Hatch Coaching for being our studio sponsor, Bach and Barbecue for being our phone line sponsor, and also uh, Swan Energy for being our podcast sponsor today. And if anybody was shortchanged on as far as exposure and that sort of thing, we'll make it up to you, I swear. We've got all kinds of time now here since everybody's kind of on a shutdown. So check it out, folks, March Madness. We got Kevin Kramer coming up in just a moment or two. Provolone, excellent job today on the podcast and trying to do some multitasking. Now you're living the crude life. You know what? I think you should just sleep in your vehicle tonight. And then you might get the full oil and gas experience there, which is 20 hours of work, four hours of sleep. You got a seatbelt wedged in your back because you're sleeping in the back seat. Man, that's the crude. Now you're living the crude life, baby. Until then, you're just part of the oil and gas industry. Like I said, until you've slept behind a Walmart and three hours of sleep made a six, seven, jeez, five even figure decision. You haven't lived a crude life, man. That's people out there. You know what I'm talking about. That seat belt wedging your back, trying to get a comfortable night of sleep behind a Walmart. Whew. All right, folks. Provolone, as always, excellent job today. Thank you very much. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Speece, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
0: The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. My name
2: is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. Is that anything that, you know, that you could even look at as a as a shift of subsidies to, to help that flaring problem? Because that, that is truly a solvable problem in the next five to ten years.
5: Well, we, we know it is. I mean, the, the biggest challenge we have, it's, it's a byproduct of the oil itself. And the oil comes out rather easily and rather quickly. And there is an existing infrastructure for a lot of that. It is the uh, it's the expense and the permitting and the, you know the the time lag for building out gathering and transmission and even processing, of course, of the natural gas. That said, you make a lot of important points. the, the fact that we can see the flaring, makes it difficult. The fact that we live in a cold climate and see flaring makes it downright immoral because we think of (laughs) what it costs to warm a home. Now, natural gas is so abundant, it's darn near free. And I I know that sounds crazy, but it's so low cost. The commodity is priced so cheaply because of, of the abundance of it that to me, there should be natural market forces that provide the opportunity and the, the appropriate incentives to capture, gather and, and process that gas. And you've seen a lot of it in North Dakota. It's just that it's, it lags behind the, the oil side of the, the factor. Now, I hate to get back to coronavirus, but what we're experiencing right now in this state as a result of this, this price crash in oil, you're going to unfortunately see a slowdown in the build out of natural gas infrastructure. Whether that's, uh, as you probably know, there are some large uh, plans for natural gas processing facilities in the state this summer. I I don't know anything yet, but I'm, I'm watching, reading the tea leaves, and I'm very concerned that some of the infrastructure that would have provided some of the relief, and not just relief for the flaring, but now use for the natural gas, whether it's processing and sending down the line or sending down the line wet to other processing facilities, uh, you know, at some point, maybe some sort of a hydrocarbon or, a, or you know, a plastics facility. All of those things are gonna have great setbacks now as a result of price. Your question, however, is about subsidizing. I think there are other ways to do it than subsidizing. I, th- I think that there are, we should help incent the appropriate market forces.
2: And that was U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
0: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by...
2: It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. He is a person in this market and now in markets across the country with Hatch Coaching that
4: is revolutionizing the way people approach the business. He's reinventing the way people look
3: at the people model. That's why he brings in hundreds of people from all over the country who are trying to figure out how to do what he's doing in their market.
2: For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com.
1: Here we go. <laughs> hamburger steaks, holidays. That's the kind of world that I live in. I play in different town. Most every night Love on my woman, write a new song That's my life Well, that's my life Yes, y'all and I love it Well, that's my life There ain't nothing else in the world above it And I see people all alone, Picking their guitars, playing their songs And I tell them, forget it you can't fake it. You're gonna make it. You gotta live it. I got a big bus with a TV and a bar, and a little room in the back for me and my old guitar. I gotta stop and fuel up every 500 miles. Give a picture to the waitress. Eat a late breakfast, country style. Oh, that's my life, yes, yeah, y'all, and I love it. That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. And I see people all alone, picking their guitars, playing their songs, and I tell them, forget it. Cause you can't fake it, if you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. And we get home from Nashville on a Monday night. Record songs on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we take out the wife But then on Thursday night, it's back on the road I don't care if it's North Dakota or Southern Minnesota, just as long as I grow Cause that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it and I see people all alone, picking their guitars, playing their songs, and I tell them, forget it. Cause you can't fake it, if you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. Yeah, brother, you can't fake it, you're gonna make it, you gotta live it.
2: It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say.
4: To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life, you know? What do you do in society? You succeed at a thing, and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius
3: across the country, I'm telling you, There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch.
2: For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com.
0: The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review
5: on Friday.
1: There ain't nothing else in the world above it And I see people all alone Picking their guitars, playing their songs And I tell them, forget it You can't fake it, you're gonna make
0: it You gotta live it Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever the model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. The
1: waitress, eat a lit breakfast, country style. Cause that's my life, bitch, yeah, y'all, and I love it. That's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it. I see people all alone picking their guitars, playing their songs. And I tell them, forget it. Cause you can't fake it, you're gonna make it, you gotta live it. We get home from Nashville on a Monday night, record songs on Tuesday, and on Wednesday we take out the wife. But then on Thursday night, it's back on the road. I don't care if it's North Dakota or Southern Minnesota, just as long as I go, well, that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it, that's my life, there ain't nothing else in the world above it, and I see people all alone, picking their guitars, playing their songs.